Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the RAG Podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season, we're a little bit different. How do you, as a recruitment leader and founder, maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work? How do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally? And how do you find time for yourself in the madness? How do you find time for self-interest, for hobbies and self-improvement? Well, to help you with this, I'm going to be interviewing someone every single week that can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and uh, welcome. I'm live for another episode of the RAG podcast, live on LinkedIn, but then repurposed on Apple and Spotify. I'm Sean Anderson, the CEO of Hoxhall Media, and I am I'm buzzing today. I feel in a really good place. We are towards the back end. What are we on the 26th of January, 2022? The sun has shined all the way through January, pretty much. To anyone moaning about blue January, I don't get it because it's been lovely. Um, we are, and I'm super excited to be um, joined today for a third time by Claire Cooper. And I will go into who Claire is, um, the founder of Storm 4, part of uh, Levin, one of the arguably the fastest growing recruitment group of brands in the world right now. Um, Claire keeps begging me to come on the show, so I thought I'd bring her back on. That's a joke. Um, but uh, I am super excited to get into, into another story of where Claire is at. We interviewed, I interviewed her a year ago. So I think it was bang on the beginning of February. Um, and I think the company was just starting off. So she said she was going to grow some pretty impressive numbers and let's see what she's done. Right, let's get into today's session. Claire Cooper, welcome back to the RAG podcast. I just would like to correct you. You <laughs> begged me to come back on. Oh. I've, got, I've got the messages. I know, I know. I, know. I can share I them. Um, but yeah, third time, I, do you know what? I was thinking about this. Do you think we're still going to be here? Like five years, ten years. Well, just doing this show every year, yeah, What's probably. This? Yeah, why not? No, What's not. wrong with that? What's wrong with no, that? Look, if we cast it back, the, we. I remember we. I interviewed you when you were at Faden, and yeah. uh, you know, you were in London. You were looking at moving. You didn't know what. You ended up then disappearing. I think going to was it Berlin. France? You went to oh Berlin. That was it. Yeah. Um, and then we caught up a lot when you were when you were leaving, and you were looking at launching Storm Four, and then we had a wicked Berlin. episode. Sorry. Storm three, sorry. We had a wicked episode. You were three, what were you, four weeks in? Yeah. You were four weeks in. Sorry about the storms, by the way. Does that, I can't no, don't you, worry. Just, all um, I say is we're the purple one. Right. Okay. That's the easy way to look at it. But you, I think you were four weeks in. You were the only hire at the time, yeah. but you had about, you had a plan to hire a load of people in the, is it the yeah. April? Or, but yeah, you, had, you had like a, you had a recruitment round coming through. So yeah. fast forward 12 months, it's your first year anniversary next week, I believe. Next Wednesday, yeah, February the 2nd, first year anniversary. Excited. We've got some really good plans. We're having a birthday party. Um, the team don't know all the details, which is amazing. Um, I've I've sanity checked it with a few people to make sure that it's definitely something they're gonna enjoy. So yeah, 
I'm excited about it because it's going to be fun, but I'm also excited because, yeah, so just to have that day to really reflect because it's just such an important day. I remember the day so well. I was in, I was actually in Mexico on February the 2nd of last year and mm. it was me sitting there waking up in the morning and opening my laptop and looking at Bullhorn and thinking, right, okay, I guess... Uh, what would you how would you describe the business today give us that bird's bird's eye view of the right people the so where we are right now is 60 or just over 60 employees globally so london and amsterdam we launched our amsterdam academy a couple of weeks ago wow. our dallas academy launches next week um so that's 30 people that are all starting on tuesday you've already hired um, well, that takes yep, you to 90 hired. that takes you to 90 yeah all hired, ready to go. Um, I was looking at the office yesterday. Um, so Seb, who's overseen Storm 3 out there, was showing me around. It looks incredible. They're just building computers and getting everything sorted. Um, and then Singapore, um, the academy there will launch in April. So end of April. And obviously, we'll go through another academy in London. So end of April will be 150. Wow, is all I'm going to yeah. say. You know. <laughs> yeah. so, all right, we, we, I mean... Where do we even start? There's so much to talk about. But mm. right, let's go back to Mexico. Right. We all, love, we all love Mexico. I love Mexico. Did you did you genuinely see this then? Did you already have that 150 plan? No. Like, no. No. What was your initial I, what was your I know it was um, it was punchy what you said, but if you remind me, where did you where did you want to be after a year in, in the first year? I remember so clearly talking to you about the fact that I thought James made a mistake when he said that we we're gonna hire 20 people each academy. Yeah. I thought he meant 10 yeah. and then it was like I remember saying to you in the last podcast it was only when he did his podcast with you I was like right okay in all honesty if, if I think back to this time last year I would have never expected that we would have grown this quickly or more than anything that I guess I would have the ability to to grow and scale it so quickly I think I've been out of hadn't worked for seven months. I was just happy to get going. I was kind of of the mindset. I just want to build a business that I'm proud of, grow it, scale it. And it's just accelerated. We started talking about Amsterdam. We're like, right, let's do it. Dallas, Singapore, before you know it, we're where we're at. So yeah, did I think we'd get here? No, but that was just my kind of limited belief of... So where was Paint the, paint the picture then. So you're in Mexico and, and you come back yeah. pretty soon because I, I interviewed you in the same yeah, house. in this Where, room, yeah. yeah, yeah. What, paint the picture for us. What did, what did the, the business look like? Storm, the Levin, Levin Group, what did it all look like when you first started? What was in what was in the in the business at that point that you could leverage? So when I first started, so my academy didn't start till April, so we didn't even have, if you went into that office in, in London, um, the office that we have now, I work from home on a Wednesday, so that's yeah. why I'm here. But the... It was a, probably a fifth of the size it was. And there was this wall. And we we're like, we we're about to knock the wall down. Um, and yeah, it was everything was blue because it was just Storm 2 at that time. Um, How many people did they have at that point? Can you remember? 30 odd. Right. And they're about to go through their next academy. Um, yeah. So yeah, it completely, to say that it's, I mean, it was April 27th we had. I think it was 100 and I think the number was 130 we had on that day, April 27th, that came in to join Storm 2, Storm 3, Storm 4. Um, How many did you get in that first wave? Uh, 23. 
And what 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 was that like? Like, paint. What the hell do you do with twenty three rookies when you're a startup yourself? So it was at, it was planned meticulously. I think a lot of people probably see it from the outside and view it as complete chaos. But there was mm. a timeline and schedule for everything. Everyone was staggered. Everyone knew everything was planned hour by hour of what that first day, that first week would look like. So all of us knew exactly what the plan was. We didn't just get 23 people in a room and be like, right, let's do some recruitment. Of course, that would be insane. Um, and and as I kind of explained before, and I think when I, because I look back on the podcast we did before and I spoke a lot about our structure with people ops um, and commercial. Actually, I have to shout out you for this. It was off the back of that pe- podcast that I hired Perrin, who's our commercial right. manager. She's wow. absolutely incredible. So her boyfriend. Well, do you, does um, that mean you in, can I invoice you like at the end? Yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. Send me the invoice. But no. Um, <laughs> so her boyfriend watched the podcast and was like, "You should talk to these guys." So, but I remember talking in theory about it with you about how it all worked to enable yeah. us to hire so many people at once. But at the, t- the time, I was kind of speaking hypothetically. But now that we're doing it and and that structure's in place you can really see how it works, how it's when, not. When you had 23 people, what mm-hmm. was the different support people you had? Because you didn't do it all on your own, right? You had a, no. what, were the, what were the trainers and support? What were the different roles? Because I think that's what a lot of people hear the numbers and, and they go like, what? Like, But if you're saying it's planned, like you're not yeah. going to every detail, but can you give us that kind of bird's eye view again of how you can execute something like that? Yeah, so we have me, we have people ops, which is Canal. He's incredible. He came from S3. He's got about three years of recruitment experience and he is agile on desk. He's not your tri- kind of typical LND person that you would tend to, to think of. Like he he drives a lot of activity. He comes up with all the incentives. He's on desk every day with every academy for their first six months. Right. And everything technology wise, all the basics of 360 recruitment, he, he's there. He's floating around. He doesn't have a desk. So he's there to support everyone. Then you've got Perrin, who is our commercial manager. And and again, it, it, with that, it's not account management. I think it's easy to see it as that. But she she drives all of the behavior and all of the training around everything commercial. So whether it whether it's terms, whether it's negotiation, whether it's just, you know, helping consultants see that there should be any limited beliefs in terms of the seniority of the the clients that they go after. She owns all of that piece. Right. Um, and then we've got Georgia in marketing. Again, her role's not just marketing. She's actually targeted on NFI from inbound leads, right? So, which is so, so smart, but it also means yeah. that she does a lot of training with the team on personal branding, on LinkedIn. Uh, she actually owns everything LinkedIn, essentially for us mm. which is obviously a huge tool of what we do day to day so when you put when you kind of separate all of that I mean I often joke like my my job is just high fives and buying donuts you know it's probably a bit more than that but if you remember our last podcast like you told the story about the peloton which cracked me up you know? oh yeah yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you were actually on the phone at that point trying to do deals yourself like how did yeah. you get on how did you get on with that did you do any three deals proud Are of you- that not, not not big deal sizes, but I did three. And you know what? I'm so glad that I went through. It was so hard. Two and a half months of me sat on this desk 
trying to or just getting back into it right and I learned so much in that time but also it's just yeah it, it took me back into the mindset of what it's like being a recruiter which is so important when I have a team of grads um but it's also all part of the story like for me I, I wouldn't take any of that time back like did I need to have done those three deals when if you look at the the, the academies and, and what they've generated, I think they did more activity in their first week than I did in, in all of that time together, right? Um, but it was, like, it was really fun. It was fun to kind of just get back into it. And, yeah, I had all these goals of all this money that I was going to build, and obviously that didn't happen. But it was, yeah, it was good to go through that. So that first wave starts in April. Yeah. When when did the next group get hired september the 7th all right so you had a how many months is that four five months four five months five yeah so how did that group perform like how many survived the five months and how many and how did they perform in that period so out of that 23 we've got 13 um which i think is and out of the second cohort I hired 15 in the second cohort and there's 13. And I think that first, first attrition, I think in recruitment is normal and it's a good thing. Um, and I think definitely I would say that I learned a few lessons in hiring from my first cohort to my second. I think with the first one, there was a couple of instances where I, people were so passionate about working at Storm 3, especially because of the mission and our clients, yeah. you know, health tech and some of the clients we work, we work with are so awesome in, in terms of what they do. And I definitely, in my first cohort, hired a few people that wanted to work at Storm 3. I could have given them any job in Storm 3 and they would have said, I want to be part of this. And whilst it was incredible because they truly believed in the, the mission, I quickly realised for the second cohort, I just need people that want to do recruitment. It doesn't matter what industry you want to do, how like led you are by our mission and health tech so i think you know that was probably why there was a bit more uh, so they weren't were they not were they, they just weren't salespeople. they weren't recruiters they just weren't salespeople. no and i think i, I got a bit um you know it's the first time i never hired 23 people in one go you know and i think you know it, it was because it's such a, a great story we're going on we were able to attract amazing grads um and we you know invested a lot in rectorex to, to be able to do that so in terms of performance um to be honest they've absolutely killed it I look at the team I call them my OGs my originals um and I look at what they've done and, and the numbers that they're especially when it got to the three month mark onwards and it just started ramping up and then up and then up and you know we've got like Adam who is now about to be the top biller within the whole group um oh. and he just started in april you know he didn't like he, he started in april in, in a new what business and I think, what sort of numbers per month are these he's guys? just done a centurion this month um i reckon there's more to come and i genuinely think he will do a million pounds this year which he's going to kill me for saying that um now he's got to do it but like i look at some of the numbers of what they're generating um and i've got some ama like amazing billers in the team and it does 
astound me. But then it also takes it back to that is why we were so focused on the quality of the talent. Yeah. Because it's it's gone to show we're so big on peer learning and training and, and you hear them on the phone. I hear, you know, I've got people like Fern. Uh, it's her birthday today, actually, so she won't be listening, but happy birthday, Fern. But she, again, is on the cusp of being a, a managing associate and you hear her on the phone and I'm like, where did you learn all this? And you can tell that she just picked up things from me and Perrin and, and Canal along the way. So like, I'd love to give you all the numbers. And there's part of me was I just want to say what we're doing because I'm so proud of what we're doing and, and we're above where, you know, we're tracked to be. Um, all I would say is that I guess in general in the industry for a company of this size, NFI per head is around 10K, 10K. Yeah. And that's for an Which established is, business. What in terms of breaking even or you know, yeah. people, most if you listen, you said you listened to David Spencer Percival's episode, which yes. was, which was a very yeah. similar type story. And you know, we yeah, talked yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about you, and he's, he's got an opinion on the way you're doing it. And I thought that was that was great. And I respect his opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's, yeah. you can't not right. But one of the things he did say is, you know, high growth recruitment companies don't make profit, very little, if any, until you stop growing. Right. So, would you guys? Is that the model? Like, you're not, you, you know, do you do you have an aim to break even or to make profit, or is it about even a lot, you know, damage limitation with the losses to grow again the next year. Like, what's the? Oh no! Like the one hundred percent. The aim is to to make profit and an EBIT and keep maxing out the EBIT and keep growing and keep scaling. So, I think what's different to our business to a business, even though they seem similar and we set up at the same time, um, the industries are actually really different. Life science to health tech, but as a multi-brand recruitment model, I think we're able to scale really quickly. Um, and yeah, it's definitely, we're not, we're doing this to make profit. You know, we're doing this to go through, you know, multiple rounds of investment over the coming two, three, five years. So we're not going to, no one's going to be interested in us unless our EBIT is through the roof. It just, mm. with any business, it, as he said in his podcast, it just creeps up, it creeps up. But when it comes, yeah. it comes all at once. Really so, cool. um, but no, the team are doing well. We are way above um yeah 50 percent above or over 50 above the kind of industry average of nfi per head and, and we include include everyone into that as well so, so we look at storm three me perrin canal anyone that's non-sales we throw into that bucket so yeah for a non or oh, a new business um we've, we've done well and our, our goal is more about that to kind of put it into perspective which might give a bit more away. The target for this year globally for Storm 3 is 10 mil and we're tracking ahead. So if you told me this time last year, I'd be talking about 10 million. All per. It's all per. Yeah, all per. Yeah. So it's crazy. Like I get the numbers that we talk about are insane. They're bonkers, yeah. They're absolutely bonkers. bonkers. Yeah, that's the only word for it. The, the issue is we're hitting the numbers. So well, then what really thinking like right, what okay well let's keep doing it then it's, it's really like whenever i interview any of you i always come away one inspired and thinking Fucking hell, why am i not i need to just hire 90 people now like yeah but, dude, you make it sound so simple like you don't speak in like jargon and bamboozle with shit chat but you yeah. do get some business speak you know you get a lot of people who like they're talking riddles and you're like what the fuck did you even just say like because you guys are like 
it's pretty fucking simple, right? We have a, like, so you, you, you know, you've got a very niche market. You have your database coded up. You have everyone knowing exactly what they're doing. They've got training. Yeah. They've got support. It's candidate short markets. It's high fees. It's high value. You just perm just one spec. I mean, it, it's, it's actually quite simple what you're saying. But really I mean, simple. What's the biggest? What? Let, let's go back and think this year. Like, it won't have been easy because everyone's like, "Well, fuck it, I let's know. do that." What's been the hardest? T- take me through some of the low moments where you've maybe questioned what the fuck you're doing. There's, it's been, as I said, we sit on here and we say, "Oh, it's been like it has been hard." We work so hard. We yeah. work ridiculous hours. And not in a, you know, our, we don't have to work those hours, but we do because mm. we care. And, and, and we're so excited by what we're doing that we, we work hard. And, you know, I think the first, I think when the first academy started, definitely those first three months, I think were probably the hardest, the hardest months of my life, really. It was so intense. I think I was, and I'm still trying to figure out myself, okay, right, this is Canal's job, this is Perrin's job, this is what I do, that this is, you know, I was trying to get used to this new structure, this, like, our, our business model is the simple part, but it's also so different to what what I've ever been used to, so that was really tough, um, and just the pressure, I think, for me, especially after taking such a long time out and spending 11 years in my previous company and spending such a long time figuring out this is what I want to do. The amount of pressure I put on myself to make it amazing probably was a good thing, right? Because it, you know, we've been so successful, but at the same time probably was, you know, the hardest thing in that I was constantly questioning how can we be, be better? How can I improve? What do we need to do differently? And I look back and I'm like, I could have just chilled out a little bit more. I didn't need to like, what you know, I could have seen my friends during that time, you know. Like, Tell me about like, an average day, like what's an average day like for you now or back then? Like what would it, what would it? Oh, back it, then, oh. my average day would have been, um, do the kickoff with the team. So if, we're all always in the office, um, apart from obviously, there were times where we'd have to work from home with COVID, et cetera. But in general, we're in the office, do the kickoff at nine. What time is that? Pardon? What time do you kick off? 9 a.m. Yeah. So we did kick off every morning. So we start at nine. And then it's the first few months I was just back to back with client calls. So I do all the client calls with them. Um, and for me, that's training, right? It's It's them hearing how I would pitch, how I would understand the requirements, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then it would be passed on to parent to to talk to the commercials. So I would be, I some days I was doing like six, seven, eight client calls um, with them. And then obviously so the they more would, would they book the meetings and then you would be. Yeah, and then I'd join and we'd both be on it. And then, you know, as time goes on, you know, it, the amount I say versus what they say. And I always know when it gets to the point where I'm on the call and I'm just sat there not really saying anything, you know, they don't really need me anymore. And, yeah. and again, that's. I'm a huge believer in in training by showing them and doing this stuff with them. And is it painful? Yes. You know, I've been on calls at all times of the night or speaking to clients where I know deep down, okay, this is never going to be a client we, we, yeah. that we're going to work with. They're pretty much bankrupt and they need us and they're never going to pay us, you know, but you go through that because it's a, an experience for the consultant. They have to kind of go through 
knowing what clients we don't want to work with to understand the clients we do want to work with. So that was kind of my first few months. That was intense. It was intense because I was having to like do sales all day, like pitching, right? And then talking about the business. But when you're doing that back to back, you're sick of, you know, get to the end of the day and I just come home and like sit here in silence. I'm like, I can't hear my voice anymore. Um, so that was my typical day back then. And then helping with candidates um, and then just driving, driving the team, driving the vision, high fives, all that kind of stuff, just positive reinforcement. Um, you know, whenever I wasn't on a client call, just walking around and spending time with the team. That is quite simple what, what my role was back then. And yeah, with every academy, I kind of go back to that again, right? You know, and now we're at the cusp of this new academy. They've probably developed even quicker um, than the first because they've learned a lot from the first academy. So I'm already at that point. I We're obviously waiting until April. And, and during now to April, I just want to make this current team as amazing as possible. And we've got some absolute superstars coming through. Um, but if you said to me, here's 25 grads they could start tomorrow I'd be like right I think we're ready for it and that's that's the cycle and then you know the the firms Isabel's Adams Andrews are all coming through as managers you know within six months they'll start taking responsibility of some of the new grads coming through and then we'll scale today I want to announce a new sponsor that's going to be working with uh, the rag over the next few months and that is a company called Talent Ticker um and some of you might not know who they are. I'm going to get into it each on each episode and go into more detail. But did you know? That's what I want to ask you. If you're listening to the show, did you know that 80% of people abandon their New Year's resolutions by February? Now, I'm I, I've been I've been running with my New Year's resolution, which is I'm going to go into it in today's episode. But it's called Red January, which I've ran every single day in January. But by February, will I still be doing it? Who knows? Now especially if you're looking to grow a recruitment business in 2022 the things you've said you want to do in january statistics say 80 percent of it you're going to drop off by next month i hope you don't now to support you in 2022 our sponsor talent ticker want to provide you with an exclusive list of the top 50 fastest growing startups that all recruiters should know about this data indicates that the companies are on the brink of a significant expansion and are primed and I mean primed to decide on a recruitment partner. So if you take this list, you should be able to then strategically do business development and open up the doors. Now, you can download this for free. Um, the link is in the comments, and it's get.talentticker.ai forward slash hoxo. But the link's in the comments, and the link, if you're listening back on the podcast, if you go into the, 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 the show notes, you'll see the link there. Go grab it. It's free. 50 companies starting up. Uh, sorry, 50 startups that you should know about that are all going to be hiring this year. I hope that adds significant value. Well, last week, I interviewed a guy called Alex Zaboli in, in Japan. I don't know if you listened to the show, but it was no. a very, it's quite a similar story, right? They, they're right. 40, two years in, they're at 45 heads and they're growing, right? And they, they, yeah. got, they got an investment, they got a partner. Um, and his he was very, very direct saying, I don't think you can work from home and, train paying recruiters and i don't think you i don't think people who work from home necessarily want to make the same amount of money as people who work in the office and it was you know whether people agree or not 
I don't really care. I loved how I, I love people who've got opinions, right? Yeah. I love who can stand and have the balls to say yeah. what they want to say. So I imagine you guys, I'm pretty confident that you, you're all office-based, right? Especially yeah, so we are office-based and I work from home every Wednesday. I didn't do that for about three months. I was in there every day and then it got to the point I was like, I need to have a Wednesday at home. And it's, it's simply because of the intensity of how fast we're growing and how quickly we do stuff. I needed to take that Wednesday to reset yeah yeah focus get stuff done and and just not fall behind Mm. um and then the ogs they now get to work from home every wednesday um if they want to a lot of them come into the office because they want to be in the office um and then for the new grads again six months in if at that point they want to have the wednesday at home and we choose wednesday because i'd much prefer for us all to be at home so that i can keep track of you know because you know yeah, exactly. Apart from that, we're in the office. You know, I think peer, when you hire this amount of people, Ferti Canal's job is on desk, right? He is, yeah, and, and that's how I lead my business as well, you know, and bringing that energy in every morning, 9 a.m., like we, that's when we go, right? And you can't, it's, it's tough to do that from home. We try when, you know, when we have those times that we have to work from home, um for a week or two but it's not the same and I think peer learning is that's where I've really seen when you hire people with they're so smart it's ridiculous I I just I'm still inspired I look back at their CVs and I'm like you're just yes they're so intelligent that you can just see when they hear other people and you can just tell they're just picking up on things all around them so yeah I agree office based but with some flexibility just, I don't think we're never going to do a five day work. I posted about this on LinkedIn and I got a comment from James Doyle, who is the founder of Venturi, another amazing business who yeah. exited, he exited not so long ago, right? And he wrote, he said, Alex is spot on with this because anyone who built a recruitment business around the trainee model has to go all out for office based working. What choice do you have? Of course, trainees need to be around experienced consultants to learn. I really feel for these recruitment owners, though, because the trainee model is changing. Um, it's challenging and it's always been challenging to grow, but used to be the ultimate long-term strategy. Now everything's changed overnight. Keeping hold of consultants who come through your training will, was difficult enough before. Now yeah. it's going to be almost impossible. There's no way they're going to accept hundred percent office-based working when they taste a bit of leverage elsewhere. Something owners and directors are just going to have to be prepared for. What do you think of that? So like getting your grads a year into the role, two years into the role, and then they're getting offers elsewhere, big money, remote working or flexible working like have you thought have you guys thought about this because it is i are we gonna are we gonna see that shifting yeah do not but i just treat everyone as adults if um adam or isabel or whoever it was like some of my high performers at the moment said to me claire you know i'm gonna go uh to my parents for a week or you know there's, there's plenty of people that don't come from london right so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i i take i treat people like adults if if i think that you know if they want to go and work from home or if they want to take a couple of days at home each week we'll have a conversation about it and figure out if it makes sense like by and large are people in the office yes but and they get the one day a week but if someone asks for an extra day and it makes sense and i don't think it's going to hinder as long as it doesn't hinder their 
their growth at the end it's of the day. Like, the, it's the growth of the other people around them, isn't it? So if, if you yeah. talk to all start doing three days from home, you're only actually getting two days in the office for people to listen yeah. to. No, true. But then the idea is, you know, I've, I've kind of mentioned a few names, is that there'll be more of those top performers coming through and coming through. So, you and, know, I don't... But your model's different because you've got them there without any top performers in the business. You know, you, they're all just... Exactly. You've got the training exactly. that is already in, that it doesn't matter if senior... So really what you're saying is, in order for this to really work, your, your, your training support function... They need, to be, to be, they need to be ever-present and amazing because yeah. then when your top performers get to a certain point, the flexibility won't affect yeah. the juniors. True, but the top – it's – people want to be in the office as well. You know, I think because we're building something, I'll – you know, I think from the outset, I was very conscious that Storm 3, yes, we're part of the Leaven Group, but it was so important to me that we had our own culture and our, our own identity and mm. – it's just really fun. Um, like I'm not there on every night out. They certainly are. I have a curfew of about 8 p.m. these days. Um, but they they want to come in, you know, and maybe that won't last forever. Or maybe they're sitting here listening to this and thinking, and they're in the office thinking, oh, we don't want to be here. Right. But I think by and large, they when people are doing right. well, like the buzz, like you can't beat the buzz of a sales floor. Mm. So you know What's the difference then between you and those other brands so you had storm two you got storm four is storm five live now or is that coming yes yeah, Storm five live um yeah. so they had their first uh graduate intake in september right so well, what, what how would you describe the difference between your culture and the others so we actually i actually did an exercise with um with all the ogs before the the newbie started and we sat in a room and we we're like how can we describe storm three using words that don't sound like the other brand like how can we try and figure out because it's it's so hard to it to make it tangible and, and it's if you walked into the office and another brand you can tell who like who storm three is i think we're super high energy we have a lot of fun we work really really hard i mean the guys bless them they call it late night gang there's about six of them in late night gang six or seven um I think Isabel was the like the the starter of late night gang, and it's like every probably Monday, Tuesday, six pm, they go get food, they come back, and they sit there till like ten, eleven, um, have dinner together, and they just crack on. And I think what it's hard to describe. I think because of our clients as well, because they're all in health tech, so we we have to talk about every day some. It's incredible in the sense that, that our clients are, are really changing lives, right? One of the clients that we work a lot with is a company that um, builds computer games to help children with ADHD or learning difficulties. And it basically has this tracker to help them figure out when they're getting anxious and when they're not to kind of help them, yeah. like coach them through anxiety disorders. So I also think because we work in areas like that and, it's we have a thing every Friday we do it's called client of the week so in our roundup someone will talk about a client um that they're working with not about how much money they're going to make from their client but what does that client do and how are they changing or saving lives and it kind of humanizes what we do and I think because the flip side of working in companies that are doing great things to to help with that means that we're also talking about some pretty 
you know, heavy subjects every day, you know? What would you um, say to people who think, like, you know, the late night gang sounds committed, but it's potentially them working from 9 in the morning till 11 p.m.? Like, yeah. people might say that's that's going to burn them out. You know, that's not sustainable. What? what how, would you, how would you argue with that? Like... Look, how much work gets done in late night gang? I don't know. Let's put it that way. I've stayed. I've stayed. I've, I've stayed for late night gang a couple of times, and I ended up just disrupt, disrupting everyone. Like, do they stay and like they get the pizzas in, they get food in, and they get some stuff done, and they just hang out and get like finish up stuff, and they might have a call here and there, and you know sometimes they'll be gunning for it, and but you know I think it's. It's so difficult when they see what is possible. So Adam, for example, he's just done this huge 100K deal and it was with a client that's in the States, right? And he was sat there till 2, 3 a.m. in the morning waiting to hear on it. You try telling a 23-year-old, go to bed, don't worry, think about it tomorrow. When for that, that is their, that is life-changing, the money they're going to get from it. So... Yeah. I, I try and tell them, mate, when they have holidays, I say, please take a week, give me your laptop. Like, turn off, I go on their phones and I turn off everything. I don't have notifications on anything. And they don't do it. So, and most of them work a four-day week anyway, because if you do, if if you perform by Friday at 11, you're pretty much done. So, yeah. I keep track of it. I don't want any of them to burn out. I, I'm, I pretty much force them to have holidays but you've got to remember as well like your average age is probably 23 right so they're not yeah. going to go home to families they're not they're living with friends probably in london probably accommodation could be questionable at times yeah it might actually be nicer sitting in the office and having a pizza with the mates than actually sitting in the in the flat until they yeah. earn you know, i'm sure they'll all be living in different apartment blocks in a year or two but um it is. I mean, can you can you recap on the on the recruitment requirements that you have? Because you were quite specific. I remember yeah. about like how 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 high the bar is to get into Storm Three. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. Remind us. Yeah. So it's funny actually because one of the kind of OGs, she's now my internal talent person. So I have internal talent as well, and we use Rex Rex etc. But um, I was joking with her the other day, Emma, that. I feel like I'm that hiring manager or that client that everyone hates because the bar is so high and I'm so quick to know people. Um, but it's really important with me with every academy that the bar actually goes up and they get better because we're scaling so quickly. Our biggest risk is that the level of the talent drops. That that's, that is the biggest risk. So we have to make sure we set the bar even higher. So in a nutshell, great academics, you know, minimum 2-1 from a top 50 university. Um, we have a list of universities if, if you're outside of that. It's Not it's common. just a no. Um, then we look at A-levels, at least, um, like at least an A and probably like two Bs is kind of what we're we're looking for. Mm. Um, I would not get into your, into your business, which is fair. I know. It's, and like, is it, am I saying that... I've hired plenty of, of people in my previous company that, you know, even a superstar from years back, Danielle, she didn't even go to university. She was incredible. I'm not saying that people who don't have a high academic bar can't be successful. What but, you're saying is you're... But that is, that is our model. Yeah, and you, you, um, you, 
you 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 you're, you're playing a numbers game, aren't you? You're not. If it was all about the one-off people, you'd you'd probably be more flexible. But when you're playing a game of scale, you have to yeah. stick to, you have to stick. But to also, I need, these people are not just recruiters. I need these people for us to get to where we need to be. You know, similar to when me and JB started at Faden, right? Like within a couple of years, we were running offices, we were managing teams. Like I, I need people that I know are going to go on to be directors of this business. I'm not going to be here in yeah. 10 years. God knows if I'm going to be here, here in five years. So I look at them as, right, are they going to be recruiters? But from day one, I'm viewing them and and giving, kind of training them and talking to them as if they are managers because they will be future managers. And I think that's, I've, yeah, I'm pretty unap- unapologetic that the only way for us that we can quantify that and there are that we do psychometric testing and all of that as well but the first the first thing what we have to look at it is academic so it's what it is and then also two high achievements so a high achievement would be head boy head girl um like duke of edinburgh national sport um that paddy diving license we've got about 20 things that are high achievements so yeah wow and it, and do you find that you're like how many people are you having to interview to get to the 20 30 people you're going to join in a, or say let's say for 20 starters how many people would you need to that fit that criteria originally how many would come through the door by the time they actually speak to me i'm only i think i probably hire one out of every two candidates i speak to yeah. because by the time they've gone through either our internal screening or a rec to rec screening and then the psychometric test, then a written test and then different people to speak to. But by the time they get to me, so it's really lean in that. You feel like you'll learn it, you lose a lot of people. That... Yeah. 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 The funnel like decreases massively, but I, I don't have to do, you know, they only come to me. It's a very high chance that I'll hire them by the time that they get to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes on in, in the background. I think we've got 18 internal talent recruiters now um across the business we still use rec to rex um for certain hires like why wouldn't we it would be i think it's really weird when a lot of recruitment firms refuse to use rec to rex when we're constantly telling clients the benefit of using a recruiter and they go and then if we were to say oh no we don't need to like Hmm. no one's ever too good to use a rec to rec it's just if you've got the money or not to do it so well i think most people are looking for that you know, the, it's either that graduate or that experienced hire, and you guys just don't go near this experienced hires, right? So you're not. We, yeah, we do for not for if it's setting up some three in a different location. Yeah, we go through through for the experienced hire, and that's always the rule is someone that one of us has worked with before or a referral, which is why there's a lot of S three Frank um, Faden, obviously, just because that's the circles of people we know and. You know anyone that's so tell, us about, tell us about that growth then. So you've got Amsterdam and Dallas, and was there yes. another one? Uh, Singapore. Singapore. Yeah. So how? What? Why? Why those locations? What's What's the kind of balance of how you're going to manage? How does it? Tell us about those. That what from a Storm Three perspective? Yeah, just, just about you. Yeah. So what, yeah, yeah. What... So it's really interesting actually because I this the last kind of few months I've been very aware that in a matter of well by the end of April I'm going to be 
in a role that I've never done before. Mm. Right? 150 people, four locations. And I'm actually doing a course online at the moment on organizational leadership, which is really, really helping me because it's helping me see it's all focused on going from a role like I am now to a role with significant more scale or scope and figuring out what I need to be involved in versus what I don't. So I don't interview like the Amsterdam grads. I didn't interview them all. Um, I've got like a next week, I'm doing like a big call with them all to talk about the vision of storm three. But I think it's more, my role is much more the strategy making sure that people are in the right markets, making sure we're hiring the right people in those locations at senior level and ensuring that Storm 3 doesn't become franchised. Um, But I think if you'd asked me this time last year, I would have thought I need to interview every grad. I need to know every one of their names. Like I need to know them inside out. And I think I've come to realise and I've got it very planned out of what I need to be involved in and how do I influence versus what do I take a step back on? Because yeah. I can't be everywhere at run- once. And also that's not my role, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, I wouldn't mind a little trip to Singapore for a couple of weeks. To be fair, I've never been, so. <laughs> it makes total sense. What, um, so what, what's the difference in, in Amsterdam and London? Is it locations they recruit? Are they going to look after? Yeah, so they, they purely focus on um, Europe. So Germany is a huge, huge market. Um, UK is just UK or is that? No, UK, we cover everything um, from the UK. So up in probably 75% of of what the team do is US focused. But when Um, when you launch in Dallas, will you then take away the US clients from the UK? No, no, there's enough out there. There Mm. really is. I think we, the conversation of matrixing off and the Dallas team only for that would be absolutely insane for us to say in three weeks, right, do you know what, the, the States is only going to be covered by 30 people who have never done recruitment before. Mm. And then I'm thinking long term, like not immediately. No, um, long term, do you know what, I, I actually think long term we will still have a model from the UK team where they can cover any location um to be perfectly honest i think the uk is extremely saturated um fees are lower salaries are lower so you know do i wish that we could work more in the uk from a perspective of there's some amazing health tech companies and i'd love for us to be more heavily involved in their growth when they're on our doorstep but when you've got the market undercutting at 12 15 percent no point. It doesn't make any sense. If I say to my team, do you want to work this role in London for a 15K fee or cover something in San Francisco where you could be getting a 60, 70, 80K fee, they're probably going to go with the latter. So I think for now, London will will keep open. And I think that conversation is one that we will kick down the road until it really becomes at the point that there's no clients left. But that point will never come. Because yeah. we work with startups and scale-ups and they just... Like there's just constantly more and more out there. Yeah, which is exciting. So tell me about your life now, Claire. Like, right. One thing about this season is not just about recruitment, business ownership, and growth. It's about the yeah. human side. So, you know, I've been very vocal about my life in the last couple of years, and how you know I've moved and I've uh, you know I've had changes in my personal life, and COVID has been yeah. positive and negative. 
what's your life like? How are you, how are you managing to be the best person in business as well as still still have a life? Like, what, tell us about it. Good question. The answer is I probably haven't been. Right. In all honesty, I think I. And not in a negative way. Like, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life, which is incredible. But, yeah, for, I mean, to, to give you an example, I texted my friends, my best mates yesterday, saying if any of you have been wondering where on earth I've been for the last year or what I've been up to, just listen to this tomorrow. Um, I'm well aware I've, I've spent far less time with my friends and my family than I would want to in the last year. Um because it has been, my life has been 90% storm three. And is that healthy? Probably not. But for the first year, did I want to just put everything into it to see what was possible? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I try, I'm, I'm actually going personal training this afternoon. Cool. On. Well, the thing is, it's, it's, so it's my friend that I've known for a long time and I hold the record. So I bought a session of 10 and I hold the record at that gym for, it took me, I think. Over the longest period of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two years, apparently. Two years it took to wow. get through the first 10. Um, so, and every time I go, I'm like, can't we just go for coffee? I've known you since we're 18, can we just catch up? Yeah. So I know that's something I've, I've got to work on. And actually, that's why I got in touch with Dr. Aria. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we only did for my my coach. You a lot oh. of a lot of people off the podcast are saying, "Can we? Can you put me in touch with him?" I mean, he's incredible. Oh, right? He is amazing. I only did a consultation, right? And I think I still need to. I want to talk, talk to some different people and really get a feel of what works for me because I definitely think it will be so useful. Because mm. the only thing holding me back or Storm Three back is me and my yeah. mind, right? And I, I, I laugh about it because my boyfriend bless him ever since i spoke i spoke to him for 30 minutes and i just keep quoting him on him yeah, on yeah, stuff. Yeah. i'm like dr Ari, because i've watched all his podcasts and stuff yeah. i'm like dr Ari said this and dr Ari said that who's like, dr aria um so yeah in a nutshell have i had a balanced life in the last 12 months absolutely not do i regret anything no is it something i know i absolutely need to figure out yeah and didn't you say your boyfriend's in the u.s yeah, he's in uh, Oklahoma. How does that work then? How do you manage that? It's it was tough at the beginning because I so I was actually with him for three months before setting up Storm Three, so I had a bunch of time with him. So that was great. And then was he always in the US, or did he move out? Yeah, yeah. So we met when I was in San Francisco the first time. Right, right. Was, whenever that was, two thousand and fourteen, I moved out there. Um, but yeah, we then didn't see each other for eight months. Um, when I launched on three, so that was tough. I'm not gonna lie. When, especially when I was, when things got really pressured, and you know we were at that three, four month mark of the grads kind of all ramping up, and there's a million things going on, and you know that was tough. It was, it was, and then you know I just I couldn't see him because I couldn't. The borders yeah. were shut, obviously. Um, so yeah, that's tough, but actually it works really well now. Like I think we get to see each other every couple of months, and. It's something that I, I I really respect the other leaders in Levin who go home to their partners because I think 
it really works what we have right now. We're both really happy. And I think he'll ultimately we'll be in the same location. But there's part of me, I think, if, if he was here and lived here, my laptop would have been thrown out that window mm. months back. <laughs> right? So I think in a, in a way, it's allowed me to be able to put my all of, you know, everything into Storm 3. But yeah, we balance it. It's But it was do tough you, for a long time. Do you want to have like a family one day? Do you have visions? Yeah. Like what's your future going to be like, do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the aim. And, you know, we want to, I mean, I must say it's pretty diff, difficult to start a family or get pregnant when you're in, you know, in completely yeah. different locations. Yeah, yeah. Um, one day, I reckon one day Zoom will be able to solve that problem, but not yet. Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be a solution. But, um, yeah, like that's in our plans in the very immediate future. And, you know, when, when that happens, I think likely he'll move over here for a bit. Yeah. Um, so would you see your vision storm three would be that you know you got a year or two of really going hard at it and then it's about evolution of people and then would you imagine you would then it'd be a bit about balancing your personal life and the business yeah not, definitely you can't carry on at this pace for five ten years no i can't and especially if i want to have you know i always i always joke that i want you know big four or five kids my mum's one of six oh, i think wow I don't know if I can do that, but I want a big family. So I, and a lot of us are at that age now in the leadership in Levin. And, you know, we joke that we're probably all going to get pregnant at the same time. So mm. I know that I can't run at this pace forever, which is kind of why I'm putting it in now because I'm like, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've kind of got time on my side. Um, but yeah, what does the future hold? Sean, I have no idea. I know where it, what it holds for Storm 3, but you know me, we could be talking again next year and I could be living in a completely different city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who knows? And I think that's the beauty of it is like recruitment just gives you so much opportunity, right? So, mm. um, yeah, let's see. My answer to that is let's just see in the next year or so. I'm going I'm to do more yoga. That's my New Year's but resolution. But if I look at it, like, it sounds like yoga, personal training, mental coaching, you know, these are all things that, you you've got you, you know you, you it sounds like you want to get into this year you want to you want to build into the routine like if, just so you know my life like last year was very you know it was the same sort of thing it was crazy for Hoxo and then after yeah. that I basically broke it down into a position where this year I've said to myself I've got to commit to myself as well so lunch times every day 12 till 2 I'm just non-committal to anything else but myself which is mm. hard Two hours in a day is hard, but I'm like, well, it's, if yeah. I don't give up, because I want to start, I'm on my laptop at six usually. I don't get off till eight. I need that time in the day to for me. So I'm this month I've done, I've ran every day. I'm doing this red challenge. I've, I've stopped eating till one o'clock after my run. So I thought I was just eating too much and drinking too much. And I've not added any alcohol yet. Am I going to go back to drinking? Probably, but not as not like I was. I'm not going to eat in the mornings and I am going to train every day, whether it's run or something. So you're doing it. Like essentially into, into I always say it wrong intermittent fast uh, intermittent fasting. Yeah. So and how are you finding one... that for your brain? Because oh, I've done brilliant. so much research on it. It looks brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I mean, it's so easy for me. I get up and I'm not that hungry anyway. I just like food, but I'm not hungry. Hungry. Yeah. I have a coffee. I take the dogs out. I start my work. Like now, it's half ten. I'm not even thought about it. I'll I'll go and do my thing. I'll go for my run at lunch, and at one when I get back, I eat. I then have a bit of time to myself, and I'm back on at two. And it's routine. And if I'm in London or well, I'm going to be traveling a lot more from February, I said in January, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm, I've just got to get it in. I've got to do it. Like I've got to commit yeah. to it, but I've built the habit this month. So we're all struggling with these things and we all make mistakes. But 
the good news is it's a bit like recruitment. There's always another day. There's always another week. You can go again. Yeah. I think one thing I've got really so much better at is I, so I didn't take my first holiday until the August. Um, so the grad started in April and I, and I was like, I can't, I can't take a holiday. I, you know, it's, I'm not, and we get unlimited holidays, the VPs. And then yeah. JB is so strict. He's like, Claire, every eight weeks, I don't want to see you for a week. Yeah, and yeah, I'm only yeah. allowed, like, he'll, he'll, it's, I say approved, like, we don't approve anything, but we have a rule, you know, if we take a holiday, we have to take at least five days. Yeah. And I think I, I was terrible that last year. And then I went to Mexico for a week, ironically got stuck there. So I was actually away for, five or six weeks and then having to work and was up at 4am every morning that's a whole other story but one thing I've been really good at this year off the back of you texting me the other day actually saying I'm booking a holiday I was like right I'm just going to map out my next I booked booked Dubai and I'm going 15th of Feb for two weeks one week off one week work and we're going to just you know I can get up early I can run I can do everything I can still work like so that's my strategy is every sort of six to eight weeks as well is is get myself into a location where I can have some time and I can work. I don't I don't think I need to have that only work at home and only have no. time away. I think I can I can balance that. No. Um Claire, yeah. this has been a, an, another amazing open. I don't even know what how, time. Yeah, we're, we're there. So what I want to say to you is look, well done. It's been incredible. I've been watching the journey, you know, we're close and, and I, I love seeing yeah. this. What I'd like to do is look i will you'll be back on for part four like i want to see you in a year's time and we'll see where you're at um i have got plans to interview the other leaders of the levin this year and then james is going to come back on as well um if anyone does want to reach out i imagine you'll you're open to a yeah. chat to them yeah Always. yeah yeah, yeah. You know, people are watching so make the most of it um but let's let's keep in touch if anyone does want to speak to you best place will be linkedin you, you're always yeah. very responsive um but I do wish you the best of luck. What you're doing is insane. But I know. We know. We don't worry. We insanity, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh God, it's entertaining to watch. Um Thanks, mate. But I'll uh, we'll put it in the diary for about a year's time. But stay safe. Please invest in yourself this year. It's gonna it'll pay off. I will right? do. I'm off. This is it now for the next couple of hours. I'm gonna do personal training. So there Let's you've heard it, guys. Goes. There you've heard right. it. She's she's changing her plans already. Um, <laughs> Claire, have a wonderful right. year and we'll see you very soon, okay? See you later. Bye. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses, how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. 
tune in again next week. That's live on LinkedIn. Or you can catch the show on the following Monday from 6am on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll see you soon. Thank you.